Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. We said we were going to talk about it, and here we are talking about it. The Book of Boba Fett. And now, like, when we're releasing this, so you have already seen all the way up until the penultimate episode, with one episode left. And, I mean, there's so much. There's been so many. Um, (laughs) I love this. Um, I love this, and then at the same time, I'm like, oh, guys. Star Wars fans' reactions. Oh, God. Like, when you have something laid out in front of you and you know it's seven episodes, but you're trying... People are making such extreme judgments after, like, two or three. I'm like, you you haven't seen the full story. You can say what you want about, like, if there's a particular... Maybe there's a particular element or, like a particular character that you didn't like or something like that. But you can't, there's so many people trying to sum up, I love it, sum up a whole entire show going, well, it's just not what it promised to be. I'm finding it's like, you oh, God, yeah. say it's not what it promised to be because it hasn't finished. Let it finish. Um, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and also like, you know, coming after The Mandalorian, which is like one of the most lauded shows, I feel that, with the book of Boba, people were kind of expecting much of the same as the Mandalorian. Hmm. And yeah, I, I've been surprised at some of the comments online, you know, like kind of in reaction to it, like, Oh my God, Boba Fett isn't killing people. And it's like, I mean, I think the show kind of lays out that he's gone through a bit of a change, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, be, being digested by a goddamn pit in the desert. I mean, that is, you know, that, that might change your mentality on things. <laughs> and you know what it makes me, it just makes me think is people are forgetting that like the time period that it is in his life. We're not joining him when he's like in his peak bounty hunter phase. We're joining him where he's a bit older. And it reminds me of the clip um, of in Lethal Weapon 4 with Donald Glover and Mel Gibson, where, where he's just like, I'm just getting too old for this shit. <laughs> and that's that's exactly what it made me feel like when Boba Fett like pulls himself out of the Sarlacc bit. He's just like, what am I doing? What's yeah. happening here? Again, it's not working out in my favour, and it's all because I'm just doing stuff for other people. Yeah. And for what it sounds like, he's been planning his retirement, so to speak, uh, for a long time, because he seems to have tons of credits because he's always like i've got loads of credits um <laughs> so it's like he's done of retirement funds. yeah i've got loads of he's got a great pension um <laughs> he's probably got a couple of ices on the go um uh, <laughs> you know so he's really done prior planning he might have invested in some property somewhere on naboo or whatever oh, um <laughs> so the retail price has gone up um and i think he's he's very much just like all right that's great. Why Why am I working for someone else when I could be the crime lord and people can work for me? And then other people can go and get trapped in a Sarlacc pit. And yeah. I'm, I'm left outside a Sarlacc pit, which I'm pretty sure most people would agree is the better place to be. Not only that, I mean, you know, I mean, let, let's kind of like dive into episode one here. But, you know, 
as as we see, as soon as he even you know gets out the Sarlacc pit, you know then he's kind of jumped upon by Jawas who like take his his armor and his weapons and stuff. So it's like it's not just that he survives the digesting, but he's also just you know getting jacked as soon as he's out of there, and then you know getting captured by Tuscan raiders and stuff. I mean, it's dragged across the desert. I mean, yeah. it's a, there's bad days and then there's bad days. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God, you know, like. And and it was a Monday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like seeing all of that, it, it's it's unsurprising to see. And also, you know, climbing out of the Silent Pit and seeing Jabba's flotilla there as well. I mean, his main source of income is kind of literally turned to dust, and and he's you know in such a worse state that it's it's unsurprising that he wants to take the control of things for himself and just. You know what? Like, run things in a way where actually, and it's you know, as we've been seeing in the episodes as well, it's not like he's he's not even the, the you know the the gang boss or daimyo as they keep saying. Um, that that you know everyone would have expected Boba to be. He seems to be someone who's leading by respect and order and kind of wanting things to just work in a way which is everyone is kind of making money and no one's really getting hurt. And it seems like he wants to run. You know the kind of underworld of Tatooine in a kind of respectful way, which you know kind of makes sense, I think, at this point, especially like post Empire and, and whatnot. It's it's you know Tatooine finally needs to to think of itself, really, eh? And Boba Fett's their man. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And do you know what? The one thing I really like, um, I, I was a, a big fan of the structure to begin with in how this series was set up where we had where we could go back in time and relive his life that five year period so to speak um after he comes out of the sarlacc pit to where all the way up until we it kind of meets in the middle um to present day and i was very much i didn't mind some episodes being 70 percent telling a backstory 30 percent what's happening in the modern day because it kind of fits it gives you the elements of the character but one thing one thing i think is very key is everything um that people have based on boba fett before is boba fett in a different time period in the sense that our boba fett the boba fett from now is the boba fett post sarlacc pit everybody's kind of creations so to speak, within their own minds from the couple of nods and lines that he had in movies a long time ago are a different Boba Fett. It's a completely different Boba Fett. And Absolutely. Yeah, so we're dealing with a, another side of his life and you've got to allow people to change and evolve and they're, also, they're almost, they're giving you the ingredients to show why there is change yeah. and evolve. Absolutely, I mean, and I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I really, I've really been enjoying the flashback scenes. And I think, you know, I remember back to our last episode, um, we were talking about what we were expecting for Boba Fett and, you know, the, the kind of first few episodes. And I, I had said, Sarlacc Pit, how did he survive it? And then, how, you know, what happened afterwards? And this is the, the perfect kind of vehicle to do that. And that's exactly what they've done. And, you know, I mean, from, you know, getting out of the Sarlacc Pit to his whole time with the Tuscan Raiders, I mean, it really has been a whole time of transformation. It's particularly with the Tuscan Raiders, like being trained, being, you know, kind of first their prisoner, then 
becoming their like friend and then you know undertaking missions with them and then being initiated into them and giving them you know their I mean, he literally is a Tuscan Raider by the end of episode two. Um, so, yeah, it's like a really... I, I really enjoy the kind of transformation journey that we go and on with him. And it, it's completely justifiable to say, like, yes, he is a different person now. You know, he is definitely not the person we were seeing in you know, the original trilogy. And, you know, it, it's, it's... I mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, when we when he comes out in the Mandalorian, he he already appears incredibly different there. You know, he's like wearing the Tuscan Raider, you know, uniform and has the weapons and stuff. So, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm amazed at like yeah, seeing some of the comments online and, and what people were expecting. And it's like, I think it was already being set up to be quite a different character, you know, in the show. That is a, and also that is a five year period, isn't it? That's yeah. a five year period from the Sarlacc bit to where we meet him in the Mandalorian. Um, but one thing, I mean, pick on because I know we discussed this before and we mentioned it when we were watching the episodes in the Mandalorian season and it was the Marshall episode, the first time we meet Timothy Olfant. Um, and then, well, it happens before that and we see elements of it, of Mandalorian's relationship with the Tusken Raiders. And we were talking about how we loved the exploration of other characters that we've known for so long but just seeing other civilizations and races live within yeah. the star wars galaxy and all that type of stuff so i mean i for one absolutely loved finding out all this kind of information heritage and history and the way the tuscan raiders have been and how they live their lives yeah. in the times that they're in and how they move about and what is important to them and what isn't important to them that fully fascinating it's brilliant. Yeah, and, it's really fascinating you know and you saying that it's interesting because t- the tuscan raiders have played such a, a large part throughout like the skywalker saga of like you know whether it's killing killing anakin's mother or like capturing her and or luke being captured by them or you know or the mandalorian you know having to kind of you know fight a dragon alongside them to boba fett you know they are a people within star wars where people but it's almost like an initiation process that people go through, that they are like a really brutal type of people that, you know, fight with the more civilized people of Tatooine or non-desert people. Um, and so it's, it's yeah, I completely agree with you. It's so interesting to see the other side of the Tuscans and how they are actually living in the desert and what their ways are and, that you know, the fact that they have these kind of ancient methods. And, yeah, it's really cool. You know, it's a really cool exploration. Yeah, um, it's it's great to see, obviously, this build because there's a, there's a lot of different elements that you're trying to see, kind of be brought in. There, they're really trying to boost her up, boost her up that Tatooine landscape in the sense that it's it's all good to have Boba come back and go to Jabba's palace, and it's all familiarity with places people know in the sense that there's levels of star wars fans the ones that have read the legends books and the comics and stuff who will obviously know more and then there's ones who are just mainly tune in for the live action elements um and sometimes the animation elements but it's it's you kind of feel they do they do a really good job and i feel this does have a lot of involvement obviously the favreau and filoni combination in the sense that we come into these series and even though you really want 
Boba Fett is such an iconic character that you want to see Boba Fett do all the things you thought Boba Fett would do. But then you realise that when you're putting him into this particular position of where he wants to be, of running this area of Tatooine, you have to um, you have to then bring in all of these other characters to build up the world that is where they live. Yeah. And, and there's so many different elements. And, and really, sometimes you think seven episodes probably isn't enough to kind of fit everything in to kind of really fill that storyline. I would have loved to have 10 episodes of this. But um, yeah. the one, the things I do enjoy as well is the character building the different characters that we've met so far, just in the first couple or two or three episodes. I mean, we get some huts coming in, which was a great introduction, uh, I thought, just to have some huts back on live action screen, uh, the big old sluggers that they are. <laughs> and yeah, with their evil wookies as well. Guys who, who are carrying <laughs> them every single time, uh, who are having a bad a Monday as Boba did. <laughs> yeah, I, I just rewatched the episode. Well, most of the episodes this morning, and um, yeah, one of the things I noticed was how strained the carriers looked of the the, <laughs> the hut. And, it's you know, like, I, kind of, I couldn't not look at it every single time. <laughs> I just kind of focused in. I'm like, oh god. All their faces look like they're saying, like, please speak quicker so we can get out of of here quicker. Like, yeah, our shoulders really hurt. (laughs) Oh, but one of the you just mentioned it there, though, Black Chrysanthemum. Yeah. Wookie. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm so pleased with myself right now that I started reading the Marvel comic books. Um, I I think for the fast when they came over to Marvel, I think it was about 2015 when they started all the Marvel series. And one of the series that people will know if they hadn't seen this Wookiee before was um, Dr. Afra, And this, I believe this is the series. It's, she's a, she's like a highly intelligent uh, whiz kid, probably in her young 20s or so, that travels around the galaxy, has two droids who probably want to kill her half the time, but she manages to control them because they're two murder droids, essentially. They are literally a carbon copy of C-3PO and R2-D2, but they're torture droids. <laughs> uh, so all their lines are quite dark. Um, and then she pretty much gets, she's a hired hand. She gets hired by Darth Vader to do uh, a bunch of different things. And that's where you see this Wookiee character wow. and um, who features quite a lot. But what's interesting is this, well, I don't know if this is a spoiler. It's not a spoiler because it's been in the comics. I very much believe in the comics he's only got one eye. I, so, I think I know what this is from. So at some point, he's going to lose an eye. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, right. Interesting. Because I, I was reading about him earlier, and I had seen that he had fought with Obi-Wan in the past. Yes, he had fought with Obi-Wan. And it was... Um, I feel Obi-Wan was protecting Uncle Ben in this particular comics strip uh storyline mm. on tatooine and i think he i, I want to say he was sent to hunt down obi-wan but uncle ben got in the way and then there's a fight that happens between the wookie and obi-wan um both both neither die um but uncle ben nearly dies i think and 
and yeah, uh, that's how that transpires. That transpires with also Uncle Ben just being like, "Just, I don't like you, Obi Wan. Stay away." Right. Yeah. It's like just saved your life, but no worries. Cool. <laughs> cool. 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 Okay, I'll just be over there. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll let you deal with that Wookiee on your own then. You <laughs> seem sufficient enough to take care of that Uncle Ben. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he is massive. You know? He's huge, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as he appeared behind the hut, I have to say that was. Oh god, I, I knew that we like found one of the characters of the series, you know, like one of the defining characters, really. I mean, he's just his his stature and ev- everything about him. The fact that he doesn't even really speak that much is like it makes it even more freaky. He's kind of like a, you know, a horror film character or something like that, you know. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but he he's uh, definitely you know has a really like kind of an interesting arc, you know, being sent to to kill Boba Fett in the second episode and then. Um, oh, I should say, no, actually, is it the third episode? Uh, the third, third episode. episode, yeah, no, it's the third okay. episode, actually. Well, yeah, it's the third episode, sorry, because that's when they capture him in the uh Rankle dungeon and then um hand him back to the hut, which is when the huts then bring the baby Rancor to Boba Fett. Gotcha, yes, it is. Sorry, yeah. the baby Rancor and Danny Trejo, the and trainer, Danny Trejo. Yeah, Danny I mean, Trejo of the Trejos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I screamed with joy seeing Danny Trejo as a rancor trainer, and you know they're emotionally complex creatures. <laughs> <laughs> that they are, Danny. That they are. <laughs> Thank God you're here, Danny. You, you brilliant man. <laughs> Pay him more, you know. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, good. Yeah, I just Danny Trejo is someone who I just very much feel he deserves to be in Star Wars. That, <laughs> man's, that man's had such an unbelievable life and like yeah. battled through a lot of things. And he is a workaholic. Um, I don't think I've ever heard a bad word against him. And he's just one of those guys that you just... And it's obviously due to the fact of Robert Rodriguez is the executive producer yeah. on this series, who is obviously a friend of John Favreau's. And he directed the first two or, or, or maybe directed two out of the seven episodes um, that we've had. So which is why we get also no. interestingly, the voice of the mayor, Mox Shaiz. Is he? Yeah, because I, I was, well, Rodriguez. Yeah, I was because I was researching earlier. I'm like. His voice almost sounds like Michael Pena's voice. So I, was, I gave a little Google and yeah, it's Robert Rodriguez. He's a. Uh, <laughs> Which, uh, you know, was quite interesting, quite funny, you know, just to throw it, like, why not, you know? Yeah, nice little voice credit on there for him, yeah. I mean, dude, like, if you're if you're the producer and director of some of it, then yeah. that's that's the good thing about Star Wars, isn't it? As you could always say, can I just voice, like, a random droid or something? It's, <laughs> it's like Mark Hamill, who's been, I think he's been at least three or four characters, hasn't he, in Star Wars by yeah. now? Because uh, he, he was a droid in the rise of skywalker i believe and he i swear he's voiced something in one of the animes at some point um Uh, he must have have. uh i didn't know that about robert rodriguez and danny trejo danny trejo coming into the coming into the mix with a rancor i mean ticking boxes ticking those fan service boxes (laughs) nice very way because we have jabba hutt's palace we have huts we have a new rancor you yeah. know we have 
I mean, the whole the whole Boba Fett survival kind of scene from the start, playing afterwards, I, I've just it's ticked so many boxes for me as a Boba Fett fan, and you know, answering that, you know, how did he survive post haste, you know, um, and and thrive really, you know. Um, so and somebody, I, I do love this. Somebody put that particular scene at the end of Return of the Jedi as an end of credit scene. <laughs> and it works so unbelievably well. They literally does like the Marvel films. They just have the credits roll and then finish, and then you hear you see Boba Fett's hands stick out of the sand and drag himself upon, and then it just ends. I'm like, wow! If they did end of credit scenes back then, that would have been goosebumps. That that, that that's quite genius, I have to say. <laughs> Too touche. Like ninety percent of the stuff that fans correct this or fans do this. Leave it alone. Uh, yeah. But that was quite that was uh, quite a, a nice thing to watch. Yeah. So that was very well put. So, um, in terms of the um, Tatooine storyline, uh, like, how are you enjoying the kind of the whole like mayor? As you know, as we've been just talking about the mayor um, and the Pike Syndicate. I mean, what is what's your kind of take on the whole like Tatooine politics? Are you enjoying it? Is it what you expected? Is it how you feel? To be fair, I didn't really know when it came to the involvement of what this would mean by Boba Fett coming in to take kind of charge of the Hutt's domain. I didn't really know what that would entail, so to speak. So I didn't really know where we were going to start going with that. Then obviously, as you see in the first episode, it's very much like he has to assert himself and introduce himself to all these people and be a mediary between, you know, different tribes and all syndicates and all that type of stuff. Um, I was like, this, this is quite an interest and it's a slow burner. It 100% is a slow burner, that storyline, yeah. which really you can kind of, um, you can kind of definitely see why. Cause I feel there's a lot, I feel you're going to get more than one season of Boba Fett. And I feel there has to be for these things to be, progress and flourish to a certain extent you need these slow burners because i think there's a lot to kind of capture in that politics world oh. but believe it bringing in the pike the pikes as the kind of main protagonist what what we're building up to is the the, the main point of call that we're fighting towards or they're fighting towards um is a good move yeah. because we what have seen them only in the solo film, I believe, in live action. Um, yeah. And they're not nice people. Yeah. From they're the not nice yeah. people. Um, so it was interesting because at one point I was like, are we going to see Crimson Dawn? Yeah, uh, I was wondering I, that too. So, or, I mean, you know, why rush? Crimson yeah. Dawn could be the second season. <laughs> you know? um, but it's hard to know. I'm, I'm, and I'm basing this answer before episode five for obvious reasons um, <laughs> we will get to. But yeah. for the first four episodes, it, it's almost that you were kind of watching two shows. Mm. It was very interesting to see in the way his life happened in the present and what happened within those five years and the relationships he built and how it changed his character. And then secondly, you have how he's trying to put his foot down in a less kind of threatening, violent way. And so 
it's 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 been interesting but there's definitely been more and once again this episodes one to four there's been more intrigued like it wasn't like blowing me away but there was enough intrigue and character introductions that you were kind of left that's interesting like to see how that relationship develops like to see how that storyline develops um and i know there's been loads and loads of talk about the uh the mods <laughs> yeah and their yeah. scooters which like <laughs> yeah one of my one of my friends called them power ranger scooters which i thought was quite funny but yeah you know. power ranger scooters and like I, I get the whole thing because yes it doesn't fit in with the backdrop of tatooine where everything's kind of dirty and worn and all this type of stuff and then on the other side i'm pretty sure it wasn't supposed to and that was the whole yeah. point um and I don't think people should get so worried about things like that because it's not like they're front of centre in, in the whole entire yeah. series. They're just an element that has been brought in, which in, in essential, it's kind of been brought in to add just a bit more depth to how he saved Fennec Shan. Yeah, and also I think, you know, <clears throat> I mean, the whole, all these elements that you've discussed, you know, it goes to show that Tatooine is also like, like a bit more of a, deeper place than you know what we've seen in the past that we always just assumed it's a you know just a desert planet with like these kind of but actually you know it's always been this sort of center for trade and crime and you know a, a whole host of characters so it's kind of unsurprising that you get these kind of different elements that you know i mean even seeing for example like in moss esper and seeing you know the the you know the bar that they go to where they pay them off and everything like that like you know a lot of the time you wouldn't assume that that was on Tatooine because of how Tatooine is and the fact that it's you just I mean like you know our experiences like Masaisley in the past which is you know a wretched hive of scum and villainy so you know like again it's like Tatooine is kind of you know there are other places like this Mos Espa like you know that seems to be an even larger city in some ways so and kind of with you know different districts you know worker districts and you know controlled by different um bosses as well i mean this is uh, you know and we see in, in episode four when uh you know boba fett meets with all these bosses across tatooine it's like oh well this is actually like a fairly developed world with like a whole network to it mm. that, you know so i in you know because we just i think you know as a viewer as well what's kind of interesting is that we've, we've gone on boba fett's journey that he I think assumed that like you know taking out Bib Fortuna would just grant him all the territory and business that Jabba had, but you know like we see in uh, I think episode two or three uh, that you know they say like well Bib Fortuna actually kind of made all these deals which were kind of precarious for him to maintain power, but actually he ceded a lot of power to all these different people. So we're learning as we go along, like Boba Fett, that yeah this stuff is more complicated than originally thought it's not just about taking out a few people and then that's it it's like people have to get paid off and then if you know you you know like for example with the pike trade like okay you know they talk about being protected by the biker gang but then you know he tries to arrange that the tuscan raiders are there and you know that then creates a whole other kind of series of consequences and it's so you know whilst tatooine seems to be this like oh it's just a basic desert planet actually there's like all these levels of like crime and you know politics and culture and you know and characters as we're seeing that it's actually you know it's 
it's interesting it's like it's, it's a deeper world and you know and it, it would be because of all, all of these connections so yeah i mean at points I, there are some pacing things like when they're kind of walking around town and stuff like that which i have found almost it's they're, they're almost like gratuitous in how they're enjoying the scene and you know and but i think it's it's ultimately it kind of builds up to you know as as i've said like all this kind of almost naivety on on boba fett's part you know that he's he's doing these things and he's acting this way and actually he's a little bit out of his depth, but he's kind of not as well because of all his own experience and, and you know, and as well as the allies he has around him. So, yeah, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, I have to say, I've been enjoying every episode. I, as I said, that maybe at some points it can cut some of the, cut down some of the scenes, like, for, to just to keep the pace a bit quicker, but it, that slow burn has not been to a kind of too much of a detrimental effect for me. Um, it's just more of a scene-setting thing, and and it's kind of echoing that Mandalorian Western feel, you know, that it is ultimately, you know, it feels, you know, a lot like a West. I mean, particularly episode two with the train, you know, that, but for me, that was one of just a really glorious, epic kind of Star Wars episode. You know, it was, you know, seeing the Tuscan Raiders in a different kind of setting, you know, Boba Fett and his whole relationship with them. And then like capturing that train and training them, that whole thing, it felt like a, a movie you know like a kind of self-contained movie within the within this and i thought it was just it was just so entertaining it was just a really great episode you know really well shot really well kind of you know there was comedy mixed with you know great action and then you know uh but then you know consequences later on um you know and then i mean so it's it's been yeah it's it's, it's I'm, I'm glad that we're getting a different experience to the mandalorian i think because like that was one of the things i was kind of afraid of that boba fett would kind of be like washed away with that sort of, with the success of Mandalorian, you know, it must have been so tempting for like Favreau and Filoni to be like, okay, let's not stray too far away from that because, you know, they will meet again and et cetera, et cetera. But actually like, it is a different show to that. And it's enjoyable to see something different to the Mandalorian because the Mandalorian is bloody epic as it is, but like let that, you know, and especially Mandalorian as a character, he's more like Boba Fett was back in the day, you know? So and so, let him be Boba Fett of the day, and Boba Fett is the the, the older patron. You know, the kind of old. You know, he, he's he's now you know one of the characters who's actually survived through so many generations of like Empire and Jedi's and you know Republics and everything that it's like it, it's kind of unsurprising that you know he, he that his show was going to be different and that he is you know I mean, he deservedly should be the boss. You know boss man such a brilliant point in regards to let mandalorian be the boba fett and boba fett evolve yeah and you're so right that's essentially the mandalorian is what boba fett was to a certain extent so whilst you already have one of them there's not much point in having two of them yeah to be exactly the same character which in all essence they are for a certain part and now you're seeing the slow, which I feel it would be a, a slow revolution of the Mandalorian's character changing because of the time he spent with Grogu. Yeah. Um, so you're seeing that evolution happen, but he's still very much the Mandalorian that we met in episode one. <laughs>